whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Another episode of the Women in Gridiron show. I'm with Beck. It's just me and her. We're having a very intimate discussion about uh, all things football, which is very exciting. Beck, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. Just loving the long weekend. Uh, you know, watching some football. Uh, it was the WNFC uh, Championship Games this weekend. Uh, and as we talked about in the podcast last week, we all put our our, our bets and, and put our money out there and decided where we were going to go with this one. And I tell you, the results did not speak for what we picked at all. So if we have a bit of a recap, so we had Texas Elite Spartans playing Kansas City. Danny, I think, took Kansas City. Oh, no, I Danny, picked you I picked Kansas City. Underdog. But you know what? Picking the underdog doesn't necessarily always pay off. It's a risk we take. Um, we do love the underdog. This time didn't seem like they competed very well against the dominant Texans. But, you know, you got to back them. It's true. It's true. So Texas win, they advance uh, to play Atlanta, which they won again, which means that they are, so Texas, the Elite Spartans, are the Atlantic Conference winners and will go on into the championship game. In the other conference, we had um, Utah versus the Bandits, where we feature Alia Kamali um, over there playing at the moment. And they unfortunately lost in overtime, 2014, which is devastating. So Utah win. Uh, and then go to play San Diego, which they won again, uh, which means that they are the Pacific Conference champions. So Title Nine Cup next weekend, Texas v. Utah, uh, and none of us picked Utah, and I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I when I when you were telling me about who who was making the finals and Utah come up, I was like, I don't even remember discussing Utah as a potential contender to make this game and they've kind of come out of nowhere and yeah shown up week after week and may even compete with this Texans team it'll be a very interesting game yeah look I don't think they didn't have a perfect season I think that was three for three um but Utah and Texas actually have a pretty good history uh, over the last couple of years I think there's only been three of the championships for the WNFC so far um and I think Utah's been to at least two of them um so that's going to be a fun game to watch regardless. Um, and I think it's the same weekend where the all-pro game with Haley and Liu is being played as well. So make sure you guys tune in on the VIA network for that one. It's going to be fun to watch the girls give it one last crack before they come back to Australia. Yeah, looking forward to seeing them compete and show off their skills and then bring that knowledge back to us in Australia and help our league grow over here and have, you know, some really great talent to look forward to. Yeah. So let's jump straight into tonight's playbook segment, The Counter Concept. Some people are just great at all aspects of the game. When they step foot on the field, it's their show. Double right, scat right, double cowboy. Went 94 feet, did a roll step, made a right-hand layup timeout. The most important thing is film study. We work a lot on short passing with our forwards. You talk about somebody to know the playbook, know where everybody's supposed to be, know the other team, coaches, style of coaching, how his ball club's going to play. Right, Beck. So counter is, you know, as 
you know, we've played it in the league a long time, but there's this old school gap scheme in the run game. And I know we've been pounding on um, the run game a little bit because I think it's important that you unfold, as we unfold these segments, we unfold it like we do the playbook, which we start with all the runs first, knock those out. Um, but this is actually one of my favourite, like, plays to kind of run because it gets those big O-linemen in the, you know, on the move and it creates that, you know, that man advantage when they're going out and blocking some poor little DB, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, counter is one of those fun ones where you can kind of make it look one way and do it a different and you can definitely it has different aspects where you can change it up and still run it. Um, And like you said, you know, starting off with all of these run plays, it's definitely a great way to introduce the development of a playbook because the counter is definitely a little bit more of a complicated um, run where you have to really be on time and really know your responsibilities for this play because it can very easily um, be disrupted as it's a slow developing play rather than a quick handoff, run hard, smash the ball down the field. Like you really have to um, take your time to really get the defense off guard by countering to that opposite direction to that play side and then bringing it back. So the handoff takes a little bit longer to happen. So you really have to trust in your O-line to really make those blocks and to, you know, really sell the play side of the run. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when we're talking about that handoff and that mesh point, you know, it, it's it's fascinating that this kind of concept works really well out of centre. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know, under centre, um, for anyone that doesn't know, you know, that's where the quarterback is like right up in there in the butt of the centre. And I think it's about 80% of the time this plays kind of run like that because when you're turning your back as a quarterback towards the defense, there's not really, I mean, your hands do most of the talking. So it's that exchange. So being a quarterback and having those, you know, slight of hands really play to these, uh, these kind of concepts, which I absolutely love. Um, but again, you know, I think that this play is uh, also one of the favorites of all, all the O-line I've ever played with because they get to get out in space and either, you know, when we're looking at the concept of the counter, we also can look at, you know, the run scheme for the, there's a blocks for the O-line and they're going to be, you know, they can trap that D-line, you know, coming down nice and hard thinking that the play is going to go one way and then all of a sudden it doesn't and they come down so hard and it's like, hell yeah, no one touched me. And I guess, Beck, you and I both know that if it seems too easy, it probably is for a reason, right? A hundred percent. When you were a D-lineman and you were going unblocked or the ball or something just doesn't seem right in front of you, it's, clearly meant to be that way so don't initially think that it's just that easy that you are going unblocked and you're going to be running into the backfield and making a big play because nine times out of ten there's a pulling lineman coming around that corner to smack you and push you right out and that's kind of what the kind of the counter trap kind of point does where it's you know that counter you think the ball's coming towards you so you definitely step out into that gap zone or you come down onto the running back to that side and then they change directions but while they are changing directions there's still that pulling lineman coming at you super hard and yeah like you said if it's too easy it's too good to be true so be really aware of you know what the o-line are doing and I think that's the key to breaking down this play as a defense um, noticing what the O-line is doing. I feel like we talk about that a lot with run plays is recognising run and then recognising what the blocking scheme is of the O-line because that generally gives you quite a big tell on where the ball is going. Yeah, definitely. And I think 
One of the first coaching points that I picked up when I started playing defense and we're looking at recognizing runners is, is, is look at the O-line's feet because we know in pass protection, they're stepping back. You know, if it's a run play, they're going forward. So I guess, you know, playing defense isn't just about see ball, hit ball. It's about looking at all the individual components and those really minor details that help you get that advantage. Um, you know, and also too, like when we're talking about counter as well, I mean, it doesn't just have to be a pulling guard. Like you can send, you know, your fullback and your running back through a gap and then have the quarterback also carry that through, throw in a motion as well, you know, send it back the other way, send it towards the strong, look like it's going to the wide side of the field or the strength side of the field, run it up the short side. I mean, it's just, you know, sitting back in either shotgun or, uh, you know, a pistol and then having a, you know, a shovel pass go out the back with a couple of pulling guards. Like it's, it's just it's such a great play that can be installed in any playbook. I mean, we've seen it run from a seven-a-side to a nine-a-side. We've seen it in the NFL. Uh, you know, you look at the 49ers, classic, classic counter. Yeah, the counter is a super effective play. And like you said, because you can bring so many options out of it and you have the option to run anywhere from your two gap all the way out to your a gap. Like there is no specific gap that you were running to when you run a counter. So you are, you know, you're picking the gap that you want to run into. You're looking and you're reading your blocks and where the defense is. And I think that's what, what a running back really has to be aware of when they are doing this play, because it is a slow developing. They have to take that first step to the opposite side to where they're running and come back across. So their eyes aren't necessarily all always where they want to go because they are kind of faking that handoff to or that run block whatever they want to do to the opposite side to where the ball is actually going they need to really fake that to make it convincing for the defense to think they're going that way and then do that swing back to the opposite side so they need to be aware of where the defense is in a pre-snap and then where they are going post-snap as well so they can read those gaps and run into them rather than you know getting smashed in the backfield because no running back likes that at all. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, it's, again, it goes back to the fact that football is a game of inches because overemphasizing that counter step shifts that linebacker slightly more to, you know, the opposite side, which gives you effectively like less than a second, I reckon. But any advantage is an advantage in football, which, you know, it's those, like I said, that's those small details that I just love picking apart when we're picking apart defenses and teams, you know. Yeah, 100%. And then like you also said, we can add in, you know, a quarterback lead or a quarterback um, sneak in behind that counter. You know, they may recognize, defences may recognise that it is a counter and shift to the opposite side where the ball is going. And it's the quarterback's job to recognise as well what the defence is doing. And, you know, in that timing of that mesh point of handing off the ball or whether to keep it, it's really, really important that they are looking where the running back is going and making sure that, you know, the defence hasn't overloaded the side that they're running to and the quarterback can keep down the middle or even to the opposite side where all the O-line are actually blocking. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty sound depending on the way like the way that you use it. But like you said, it's definitely an advanced play because, like you said, you're not aiming for a certain gap. I mean, you you go in thinking, yeah, I think I probably need to get to at least a B or a C to make this work. But it's kind of if that doesn't happen, you just take whatever holes available. Any holes a goal when it comes to running up the back of the O line. Um, but again, it's for the, it's such an eyes up play, which goes back to, you know, it's not an easy play to run. It's definitely advanced because it does require the O-line to have eyes up and go, 
my linebacker is there, which means I need to be here, which means there's just so much that happens in this play because it is so developing and timing is so, so crucial. Yeah, 100%. This isn't a playbook, that, like a play that you would be installing with an uh, um, inexperienced team or with a rookie quarterback and running back in your backfield. You definitely need to have the experience and the knowledge because it is about timing. It is about that handoff. It is about reading down the field and reading the defense, especially pre-snap, like for the O-line, knowing, you know, where they, who are they blocking because you kind of do that reach block. You're not, you know, necessarily just blocking the person that's right in front of you. Um, and so it's kind of like the quarterback's job to make sure everyone knows what their responsibilities are, what they are doing. And the timing, like I can't stress enough, the timing of that counter step and then coming back is so, so crucial, so crucial, especially if you do have, you know, an inexperienced quarterback in the backfield who just wants to hand the ball off straight away because that's generally how run plays develop, right? The ball is snapped. They're either coming out of center, they're turning and handing the ball off straight away, or, you know, they're standing in shotgun and the running back's coming to get that ball off them as soon as it hits their hands pretty much. So this counter play really has to be a patient play by the quarterback, not to um, react straight away when, you know, the running back isn't there and think, oh, crap, like, I need to do something. They need to really wait for that counter step, watch the defense slide over with it, and then the running back will come back over for that handoff. And it's really important um, that that timing is done perfectly because if you wait too long, then the defense are coming through. You know, if you do it too quickly, you haven't necessarily pulled off the misdirection counter step and defenses aren't getting swayed by it. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. And and like I said, it goes back to that sleight of hand, you know, that timing from a quarterback perspective to get around. And it's just a a shift in your hand movement to make it look like you have the ball when you don't actually have the ball. So, I mean, being a quarterback uh, has so many different tiny parts to it. It's not just get ball, give the ball, throw the ball run the ball, um, you know, you really have to get those small, small details, that finesse and, and get it correct because that all leads to the, to the misdirection that the other team see. Yeah, the quarterback is the first person that handles the ball in the play. So ideally they are in control of what happens. Like they are the leader of that offense. So if they aren't cool, calm and collected and know what they're doing, then, you know, everyone else on the field will feel that as well on that offense. So you really need to make sure that, yeah, the timing and the mesh point and all those reads are happening for that quarterback for this play, for every play, but this one more importantly because it is very, very timing. Yeah, and, I mean, you have to kind of assess the kind of personnel that you're going to have for this as well. I mean, you can't have immobile O-line yeah. for this play to work, you know, unless obviously you're pulling to the opposite side and you've got some athletes on the other side. Um, but if you've got a like a majority pass pro big line like that's not entirely agile it's not going to work because you're not going to get those no blocks. not at all because o-line need to have for this play quick moving feet because they need to get their initial blocks to be able to have that that timing in the backfield for the counter to come off because if the o-line aren't making those initial blocks and d-line are getting through while the counter step is still happening then the mesh point and the handoff is completely stuffed up. Like your de- the defense have annihilated that play. They've read it really well. They've come through. So you really need to make sure that your O-line are moving their feet quickly. They're making the right blocks and they're actually blocking to, you know, the direction that you that the play is needs to go so that the running back then has space. 
it's, yeah. it's tough. It's a tough play for O-line, I think. I think it is too, but I think that once they – I mean, I wish we had Nat here because I feel like she'd go mm-hmm. ham on this. Yeah. Um, but I think that, like, the O-line love to do it because, like I said, they're the big bodies coming up against a smaller linebacker or, in worst cases, a tiny DB. And, you know, that just looks like a car crash. It does. I definitely, I guarantee that every O-line would rather – take on a DB or a linebacker than a D-line in front of them. And the fact that they get to move and slide across and they're not just forward down blocking, they're actually getting to move their feet and use their bodies. Um, I think O-line really enjoy that aspect of the blocking rather than just having to stand still and push forward. They can use the momentum of the movements to make the blocks as they um, move down the field as well. And I think that becomes really effective um, for O-line as well because, yeah, they're using their whole bodies with momentum going down the field. Yep, that's exactly right, Beck. Counterplay, it's a uh, it's an advanced play, but definitely look at installing it into a playbook, um, especially if you've got some great athletes on the O-line, especially if you've got a good quarterback. Um, it's really fun and, you know, we all love to watch those misdirection plays where, you know, we've fooled someone um, go really, really well. But that's that's it for the playbook tonight. So let's roll into rapid fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. That's right. This is Rapid Fire. And this week, we're doing something a little bit differently. Um, so Gridiron Australia actually put out a member survey, which I think is a fantastic thing to think because I think getting the opinions of your members is really important, um, of making decisions as the board has done to get national championships back up and running, they've unfortunately left us out of the equation, Beck. Yeah, we all seen that, and I think we were all quite disappointed um, that there was no even plan for the future. Like they said, possible 2024, but there was no guarantee or no plan. So it was kind of like, what do we have to look forward to as women in this sport? Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, it kind of played out on social, um, which brings me back to the rapid fire question was, you know, the member questions that they put out was generally things around what could they do better? Um, you know, what are they doing well? What is not being done at all? And and those are the kind of questions that they had um, along with, uh, you know, do you think that the game's value for money? Um, I did notice that there wasn't anything on do you think that there's enough development happening for our coaches, for our players? I think those sorts of questions probably would have played a little bit more of a bigger part. But I wanted to know, Beck, and, and I think you and I have, you know, we've discussed this at length, you know, What if we were to ask the same question of just for the women's leagues, what would they say? What do you, what do you think that they would say that Gridiron Australia does well for women? Um. <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, the fact that we have a league over here, um, they've obviously done something right in creating those initiatives, you know. Um, We have had, you know, some really successful state competitions previous years. Um, We're heading into our second year into a World Cup, which is great for the women. Um, I don't necessarily think that we have been prepared well enough for um, those national competitions, those international, sorry, the World Cup competitions in terms of, you know, like, the facilities, the training, bringing the teams together, doing all of that. It's so hard to do when we are all in different states. Um, But the fact that they have been able to do 
those things for us previously is definitely a step in the right direction. I just don't think that they're working consistently to move forward to improve on what they have already done. Yeah, that's completely valid. Because I guarantee you half the problem is that the, the guys on the board don't know how to help. I generally no, think... they've never been involved in women in sport. It's been men's sport their entire life. And like you said, equity and equality for women in sport is so different and you really need to approach it in that what do women need, what do men need. Like you can't take the same approach for everyone across the whole sport because it's not that way and we haven't been an established league as long as the men's have. So we obviously um, need to focus on different goals and different ways to improve as well. So, again, it just goes back to that planning situation. But, you know, like I've said to you before, Beck, is I feel like no one knows how to help the women's game right now. And I think it's because there's too many people that are so uh, against change. You know, what about changing the format? What about doing this, you know, exhibition-style game just to try it, just to see what it would do? Even look at maybe a seven-on-seven-style tournament, you know, where you take out the need for those big dogs where a lot of the teams struggle to recruit. I mean, there's just so many ways that we could do something and it just it just hurts to know that there's nothing in the plan. It's so disappointing, especially when, you know, in New South Wales we have had quite an established league every single year since we have started our league. Like there's been, you know, maybe one year where we struggled a little bit and that was the year we went to nine aside when we probably weren't necessarily ready. But we were still able to put a league together, have finals, and then come back the next year with a more established league and a better plan. Um, and I think that, you know, if Gridiron, New South, Gridiron Australia were able to have a better input into having a plan on how to grow women in sport, how to um, have you know, like teach us, have better coaching come out, like do days where, you know, there's a specialist coach that comes out and trains quarterbacks and especially in the off-season so that those players who are already playing or those players who want to play are getting, you know, the better techniques. And then, like you said, when it comes to national tournaments, why are we doing it the same way men are doing it? Like we talk, you talked about equity and equality. Equality is not the same. Like. Equality doesn't mean that, you know, I mean, sorry, equity for women doesn't necessarily mean that we have to do it the same way men do it, especially if we are struggling with numbers and the leagues across the country within the states. Like equity is doing what works for us and what is going to work for us could be going back to seven aside or, you know, doing an exhibition game where there's two teams that compete across the country rather than the states. Like, have a have a different approach. Look at what is going to work. Talk to the women in the league and say, "Hey, you know, what no, do you I think, think?" I think that that would be a great that'd be a great start. I mean, generally, that would, I mean, you know, we did a we did a membership survey back when we were taking uh, nominations for the Outback team, and we had over a hundred responses, and there was opportunities for feedback in there. And you know, they say. But we're doing these things. You know, we've brought out coaches before. Grand Victoria just had a coaching conference. It's like, well, that's all well and good. But do you know how many women would feel comfortable going to a coaching clinic full of men, not thinking that we know, like, or deserve to be there? Like, I mean, this is what it, it's about, you know, equity and equality. Isn't it about providing the same opportunities? It's about providing the opportunities that get the best for the outcome. So if it's more than something else, it needs to be that way to make it equal you, you see what i'm saying here 
Like stop doing the same thing and expecting different results. Like you need to change it up. You need to look at what is the end goal? How do we get there? Like what is, we want the league to grow. We want women to compete. What do we need to do to encourage them to play our sport? That's exactly right. And I think that that would be a great question for the entire membership. So on that note, if anyone has any of these ideas that we can take to the GA board after listening to this episode, we would love to hear them. In terms of ideas, no idea is a bad idea. So please hit us up, um, send us something on socials uh, or send us through the Mojo page, email Gridiron Australia. Just get in touch with someone. Just start the conversation because the women's game is in such shambles right now that it's concerning for everyone who has watched it over this time um, to see where it's at and it's sad so something needs to be done and it needs to be done quickly but Beck it's been amazing we could talk football for hours we definitely could Um, but we're going to be back next episode hopefully with the rest of the gang um, and jumping straight back into our team focus episodes covering the clubs around the country so again if you want your team or club featured get in touch thanks for listening download the episode subscribe to all the channels we're on all socials give us a like tag a mate and until next week we'll see you guys then You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports. Mojo Sports.